What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a special edition of the Sports Show with JD and Loro. I'm your host, Loro Antonio. JD is with me to talk about the 2019 NBA Finals preview, and also uh, we'll talk about some Patriots 2019 offseason headlines and Major League Baseball. We'll talk about the Dodgers Mets series, and we'll talk about the Red Sox Indian series. So, how are you doing today, man? Very good. Excited to talk some sports. All right, let's start with the NBA first. So let's recap the East and West Finals first. So I give that an a, a, C, C, a C in this thing because the West Finals was, you already know that's the obvious, but with Golden State now in the finals, but in the Eastern Conference Finals, that was one of the most exciting games, series, that you will ever see. Absolutely, especially in today's NBA. I mean, I know you look ahead to the future, but for the past few years, it seems like there's just been one dominant team, whether it's LeBron in the East or the Warriors in the West. So to get an actual series like this, and I mean, you're starting to see it in the Eastern Conference with a bunch of teams starting to build up like Toronto and Milwaukee, along with Boston and Philadelphia, that there's some exciting matchups to come in future years. But yeah, this this certainly lived up to the hype and definitely provided the excitement that the Warriors series didn't. Yeah, absolutely. With Portland getting swept and then Milwaukee, they're still learning, but I think Milwaukee's going to be a contender for a long time in the East. Definitely, yeah. And, and they just ran up against a guy in Kawhi Leonard who's playing out of his mind right now. He's playing like the best basketball player on the planet, was able to lock down Giannis on the defensive end, and then just shot lights out. And for me, the biggest thing in the series was the the depth of this Raptors team. I think from watching the Bucks play against the Celtics in the second round, a lot of what you saw was their depth on display, whether it was guys like Pat Connaughton or Brooke Lopez or even Brogdon coming off the bench once he was healthy. And just seeing their depth and their complementary pieces around Giannis where Kawhi didn't really have that. But you got Van Fleet going off, Lowry played his role, and Pascal Siakam was phenomenal as well. Uh, all to compliment Leonard, who, like I said, is playing the best basketball of his career. So all that combined to give these Raptors a win. Absolutely. So with that being said, let's talk about the 2019 NBA Finals preview. Going to be a great series between the Raptors and the Warriors. And my pick for my pick to win the NBA Finals this year is the Toronto Raptors in seven. And my pick for NBA Finals MVP is Kyle Lowry. Okay. I like that. That That's an interesting pick. I mean, I feel like the people I've seen pick the Raptors are mostly going with Kawhi Leonard as the MVP, but um, glad to see uh, Kyle Lowry getting some love. I'm going to stick with the Warriors. I think they're just too talented. I'm going to say Warriors in six, but one thing I will say, though, I think these Toronto Raptors are built to give the Warriors more of a run than teams have in years past. They're built phenomenal defensively with guys like Kawhi Leonard, Marc Gasol, um, even Danny Green, and then Siakam's been one of the best rim runners in in the league this year. Um, So to have guys like that, they're definitely built to give the Warriors a challenge, but I think the Warriors, even without Kevin Durant, depending when he comes back, um, are are still the team to beat. Absolutely. So with that being said, um, let's talk about some Lakers and Celtics offseason headlines. So Who's going to want Anthony Davis more? Do you want, do you think the Lakers will, or do you think the Celtics will? I mean, it's tough. I, th- I think they want them for different reasons. I don't know if the Lakers maybe get complacent and think, well, hey, let Boston give up 
everything for this guy, have him stay there for a year, and then we'll sign him next offseason. But you never know. Like you're seeing with a guy like Kawhi Leonard, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that he'd spend a year in Toronto and then go to the Lakers or the Clippers even. But now maybe he does stay in Toronto. And if Boston gets Anthony Davis, maybe they have a chance to do something similar if they keep Kyrie Irving to pair with Anthony Davis. I think the Celtics absolutely want him. Danny Ainge has been in love with the kid for <laughs> forever. And the Celtics certainly have the draft capital to go and get Davis. I think they can offer more than just about any team. So if the Celtics do want him, um, then I think they have the best shot at getting him just because they can offer either Tatum or Brown or both even. And that Memphis pick, which is huge, not conveying because that has the potential to be a top five pick next year or the year after. So I think the Celtics do want to go after him. And right now, maybe they should be the favorites just because they have the most to offer. But, I mean, I'm still concerned. I don't know how much I want the Celtics to go after him. I, I only want Anthony Davis to come if it's paired with Kyrie Irving and he stays for a long time and signs an extension. I don't want this to be Kyrie Irving 2.0 where you get this star who's coming in to lead a group of young guys and he's got a year on his contract and maybe it doesn't work out and then you're back to square one next year. Maybe some, you got what you're saying here. So I think I, for the Lakers, um, <laughs> There's some options there. Do you see them trading the number four pick in the draft or they use it on, on Cam Reddish? Um, I would say I think that is definitely the building block for this trade if the Lakers are going to go and get him. And jumping up in the draft is definitely huge for them because they can offer the Pelicans a chance to get a guy like Cam Reddish or even DeAndre Hunter or Jarrett Culver. Um, go for one of those guys. Or who knows, if R.J. Barrett falls to four, then you, you trade him and New Orleans compare Zion and R.J. Barrett again um, and go from there. But I think you'd have to start with the number four pick and at least one of those young guys, whether it's Brandon Ingram or Kyle Kuzma or Lonzo Ball, I think that's a starting point for them. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So with that, with that being said... Um... So with that being said, for the Celtics, my question for you is, if the Celtics don't keep Kyrie Irving, do you see a reunion with IT, Isaiah Thomas? Uh, I think it definitely makes it more likely. If he leaves, you're going to need a point guard, and you're probably not going to get a great one in this draft. I think if he leaves, Marcus Smart is probably going to be your starting point guard. Uh, But as far as depth, maybe you go and sign a guy in the free agent market. You can get someone like Ish Smith. I know people talk Rajon Rondo's out there. I'm not sure how much I want that, but I would personally love to have Isaiah Thomas back. I mean, for what he did for this team and for the city, really put them on his back and made them a destination again. I mean, you look before he comes and some of these other guys come, the Celtics are going to meetings to try to land Kevin Durant, and they're bringing guys like Kelly Olynyk and they have to bring Red Sox or Patriots players because they don't have stars. But then you get a guy like Bruins Thomas players, for example. Or Bruins players. Yeah. And having so a speaking Thomas, of the Bruins, the Bruins are in the Stanley Cup final. Bruins are in the Stanley Cup final. Look great in game one and game two tonight. I will definitely be watching. Yeah, but at the same time, since you got a lot going on in Boston sports right now with the Bruins in the Stanley Cup final, 
Then the Red Sox play the Cleveland Indians. So let's talk about now some Patriots offseason headlines. So I think with Damian Harris now on the roster, I think Rex Burkhead is out. I hate to say it. Sorry. I think uh, – so – and I and I think that uh, what you call this that uh, the Patriots was that the Patriots? Yeah, the I mean the Patriots. Uh, I'm I'm saying that I'm, I hate to say this, but I think the Patriots are going to move on from Rex Burkhead when the, we do our final roster cuts. Yeah, I agree. I think he's definitely um, on the line to be cut because I know you can talk about maybe injuries or something to one of those guys. But Brandon Bolden can fill in in a pinch now that he's back. And, I mean, you got James White and Sonny Michelle, who should get the bulk of the carries. And then Damian Harris, you don't spend a third-round pick on a guy like him. And maybe it may even be a steal in the third round. The Patriots didn't need him, but they just got him because he was far and away the best player available at that spot in the draft. So, I mean, you got a high upside uh, power running back in him. And then you got James White and Sonny Michelle, one who's a great – true running back and one who's a good pass catching back so I think the Patriots have enough weapons there and Rex Burkhead like you said may just be the odd man out yeah I I, I hate to say it but I think the Patriots running back depth I expect it to be this year it's going to be White Michelle uh, Williams and Brandon Bolden and then and then and then obviously James Devlin yeah I I agree I think that's going to be the order as well that's going to be the order but I expect Sony Michelle to get to. I expect Sony Michelle to. Uh, I think. I think. Uh, so, I think Sony Michelle will. I think Damien Harris will be the power back. Sony Michelle will be the number one back on the depth chart, and then James White will be the third down back and pass catcher. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that fits roles for all those guys really well. And Sony Michelle had a great season, but you also have to expect him to. Uh, to break out even more this year and another guy to highlight is um as an undrafted free agent uh pats picked up nick Brissett from lsu who had a pretty decent year last year for the tigers so he could be a guy who sneaks up on people like some patriots undrafted free agents have in the past all right so with that being said i want to get your take on what was your reaction about benjamin watson being suspended for the first four games of the season do you think he will appeal that four game suspension that saying that he uh he doesn't he he didn't do he didn't violate the the drug policy you know i don't think he will um i think he'll just just stick with it the only thing um i mean the patriots don't have too tough of an early season schedule so for me it's not that big of a concern um and the patriots have certainly done their best to mitigate the damage from suspensions in the past i mean i saw some tweet online a couple days ago where the last three times they've had a guy suspended, it's been a year they've won the Super Bowl. So they're certainly great at bouncing back from losing a key player. And obviously Benjamin Watson, not the caliber of guys like Josh Gordon or Tom Brady who've been suspended in the past. But still, he's really your top tight end right now and one of Tom Brady's only tight end targets. So that that's the only concern with missing him. I don't think he he brings you too much other than just leadership and being your number one tight end option for right now to fill in for Gronk. But, uh, well, Gronk is retired and everything, so I don't think he'll appeal. I think they'll just um, have Austin Safarian Jenkins start at tight end, and he'll be back week five. Yeah, I, I expect Ben Watson to be our number one tight end. Yes, me too. Where's he? 
Me too. Also, the NFL owners just just now on this NFL rumors article said that they're looking to revisit an 18-game schedule in the NFL, expanded playoffs in the latest CBA negotiations. So I do expect by the end of the 2020 NFL season that that a new collective bargaining agreement will get agreed upon because the the, the lockout in 2011 was terrible. Yes, absolutely. The, I mean, the thing that concerns me, though, is I don't, I don't know if they're they're going to do that because I feel like with all the talk now about health issues, it's it's going to be tough to make the season longer and the playoffs longer. I mean, people are already thinking that players are taking too many hits, and now you're now they're out here trying to extend the season. So you think a new CBA will get done and get it get it get get it uh, get it get it taken care of before the the current one expires? Absolutely, I think I think they want to avoid a lockout again at all costs. Is that what you've been hearing? Yeah, absolutely. What was that? Absolutely, that that's what I've been hearing. Yeah, I've been hearing that too. I've been hearing that. I think I do expect the new CBA to be reached sooner than, rather than later, from what we've heard, according to like Ian Rappaport on NFL Network when the the league had its spring meeting. Definitely. I, th- I think there's some pressure on these owners and GMs to avoid another lockout because they saw what it did uh, back in 2011. Like and you I said. didn't like what Damari Smith just reportedly did. He said he sent out an email about prepare for a lockout. And I'm like, what is he thinking? He's got it. He's not really he's not really staying in the moment right now. Yeah. Oh, totally. Damari um, Smith is like we prepare for war. And I'm like, I don't really like that guy. Damari Smith is a terrible NFL PA. And I think. Mm-hmm. Was that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't follow him as much, but yeah, you definitely shouldn't be tweeting that out. Uh, what were you saying? No, no, I was just saying uh, I don't follow him as much, but you definitely shouldn't be tweeting that out. Yeah, so expect expect a new NFL collective bargaining agreement to be reached, uh, to be reached uh, prior to after the twenty twenty season concludes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What were you saying? Definitely. Yeah. All right. So now that being said, um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about now uh, some other players on the Patriots that are p- primed for breakout season. And my question for you is. Is Derek Rivers? Do you think Derek Rivers and Dietrich Wise Jr. are going to have big seasons for us? I do. I I think we. I mean, we touched on that a little bit um, last time we talked. But I think, especially with guys like Trey Flowers leaving, they're going to have that opportunity to step up and maybe be the starting edge rushers um, for the Patriots. Um, Dietrich Wise, especially, I think he's going to be the starting left end, and he had a good year last year. Coming in now his fourth year in the league, um, but I think he will have a, a breakout year similar to ones that guys like Trey Flowers did have in the past. And and Derek Rivers, um, maybe not as much, battled some injuries, but uh, I still think he can be a very productive player. Who, you mean both Rivers and Wise? Both of them. I mean, Rivers definitely um, – I think I'm definitely higher on Wise, and I think he's more likely to break out if I had to pick one of the two. But uh, I think they're both in line for very good seasons. Absolutely. So I'll tell you my starting defensive line for the Patriots. It's going to be Derek Rivers, 
Michael Bennett, Lawrence Guy, and and uh, Dietrich Wise Jr. Okay, I like then, that because in the four three, I expect uh, Lawrence Guy to rotate with uh, Danny Shelton, who I'm very happy to have back, and I expect Danny Shelton to be a big part of our team this year. This now that we kept him, yeah, he's a very good run stuffing um, inside. Um, defensive tackle. Um, another guy, too, is um, Mike Pinnell that the Patriots picked up um, from the Jets. Uh, no, here's what good... I, I changed my mind on that. I expect Danny Shelton and Mike Pinnell to rotate with Bennett and Guy for, in 4-3 schemes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Pinnell's a guy that I don't know as much about, but, I mean, he certainly seems to fit a mold similar to Danny Shelton, a good run-stuffing defensive nose tackle. And then when it's when the Patriots do a three four scheme, then I expect Danny Shelton to split those those reps with Mike Pinnell in the three four scheme. Yeah, I could see him splitting reps with him. And, and the reason why I say that is because with Jamie Collins back, I expect Kyle Van Noy to now be a three four uh, inside linebacker next to Dante Hightower because I still want to keep Chase Winovich in that starting role. You know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if they're gonna put Winovich in right away and. I mean, I, I like Van Noy. I, I liked him as uh, like an edge rusher at times, a linebacker on the outside who could creep out and rush the quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I could see him definitely moving back into that traditional linebacker role. That's why I expect now with Collins back, I expect the Patriots to use in the 4-3 scheme, uh, Bennett and Guy, and then in the in the 3-4 put, put uh, Kyle Van Noy next to Hightower in the middle, and then Collins and uh, – Collins and Winovich on the outside. I like that. I, I, I could see that happening. And then um, and then in the 3-4 schemes, I expect one defensive tackle to come in. One of them will be Lawrence Guy. The other will be Danny Shelton, and the other will be Mike Pinnell. And then Michael Bennett will just be a 4-3 defensive tackle. I expect Michael Bennett to move inside because I want to make room for, uh, for Rivers and uh, Wise Jr. on the edge. Yeah, I could see that happening at some point in the season. I kind of see Bennett starting the season on the outside, um, opposite wise, and then have Rivers as the backup. But I can definitely see that. You, you could happen. see where I'm going with that. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what I want to see with our defensive unit right here. And I also expect uh, Jake Bailey, the punter from Stanford, to make the team, and I expect him to be the kicker on start so that it keeps Gostowski's and Allen's legs fresh. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he is definitely going to be um, on the roster. If you're the Patriots, you don't you don't trade up, give up a um, a fifth-round pick or whatever they did uh, to go get a guy like him if you were just going to cut him. But I think he does make the team uh, and could be the guy who eventually takes over for Ryan Allen. No, what I'm saying is that I expect him to be the kicker on start so that Ryan Allen's still the punter and then Stephen Gostowski, we save his leg for big field goals. If You know, you know where I'm going with it? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. When, when the game starts, I expect Jake Bailey to be the one that does the kickoffs. Okay, I got you, I got you. The reason why I say that is because I don't want Gostowski to tire his leg out because I don't want him to keep missing field goals like he did last year. I want Gostowski to be fresh, keep his leg fresh, and keep and, and, and save his leg for that clutch field goal that we need in the end. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I got you. Was it? That makes sense. I got you. All right, so now that being said, uh, another question that I have for you, do you think Isaiah Wynn and Juwan Bentley will stay healthy for a full season? I think both of those guys are primed for breakout season. And who I think is on the bubble is uh, is Elandon Roberts. 
Yeah, I could see Roberts on the bubble. I as far as because now with Collins now back, I I think Elaine and Roberts is on the bubble because now that we have a healthy Bentley and Collins now back, and now you move Van Noy back to the middle linebacker position on a three-four scheme, then I then that's why I, I put Elaine and Roberts on the roster bubble. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you certainly have a ton of linebacker depth now with guys like Bentley coming back and Christian Sam, who the Patriots drafted last year, um, could be in line to see sometime at linebacker and then uh, obviously Hightower and Van Noy with Collins back. Um, so they're certainly running out of room linebacker. They have a ton of depth, but to answer about Bentley and Wynn, I think both of them will see a lot of time this year and have very good seasons. Bentley, you saw the potential um, from his performance in the preseason games and when he, you know, I mean, he's a former first-round pick. A year ago, he was a first-round pick, and now he's finally healthy. The Patriots do have a need at left tackle now, so I think he will slot in nicely there. Absolutely. So, and then I I wanted to touch this on you, who I think will be the starting two corners for the Patriots. I think it's going to be Stephon Gilmore and Juwan Williams, and then Jason McCourty's a slot corner, like a guy in the nickel, you know? Yeah, I like that. I The reason why I say that is because I don't want Jason McCourty to – to wear himself out, you know, cause he's older, 31 years old. I want him to be fresh and I want him to cover the uh, slot receivers. Yeah. I'm going to go McCourty. Yeah. I'm going to go with, I think they definitely do move McCourty back um, to slot or to a um, safety. I'm going to go with Gilmore and JC Jackson starting, but I can see Joe Juwan Williams coming in and maybe taking that starting spot at some point during the season. I, I, I think, for our out of our rookies on the defensive front, I expect two rookies to start. I expect Winovich to start, and I expect Joan Williams to start at num- at start next to Gilmore. Okay, yeah, I I don't think either. I for me, I'm going to say I don't think either of them are going to start right away. But I think they're both going to see important minutes. You, and so I'm so I I think Winovich and Williams will be starters on our defense day one. Yeah, yeah, I I don't uh, think they I. I would lean toward, for me, saying they won't, but um, they definitely could be. I think they're still going to see big contributions, though. Yeah, absolutely. So, also, that being said, um, with that being said, um, let's also talk about some other breakout stars of the Patriots. I think Enkil Harry, I'm hearing he has been on a tear in training camp. And do you think – Do you? I still think Demarius Thomas will still be on the de- top of the depth chart or maybe – Demarius Thomas is the number four receiver with Nick and Kill Harry emerging. I think, I think how I could see it is maybe Josh Gordon is the number one receiver, and then N. Kill Harry right behind Gordon is the number two. Yeah, and Edelman in and the then, slot, and then, and then Demarius Thomas comes in later. Yeah, no, I like that. I think Harry is definitely a starting wide receiver, uh, unless Gordon comes back. Then maybe um, he moves to back up out there in the three wide receiver sets with Edelman and Gordon. Uh, a lot of it is dependent on Josh Gordon coming back, but I, I have heard that Nikhil Harry has impressed. Uh, what about Demarius Thomas? What's his role going to be? Do you think now with the torn Achilles, do you see him as our, our, our fourth receiver? Yeah. I mean, I don't I, know I see that in him. And I see that Thomas will be our number four receiver just because of his age, you know? Yeah. I can see him being a depth receiver. He had some good years still. Uh, still does have some stuff to offer. Got some gas left in the tank. Uh, but, I mean, obviously you got Nikhil Harry, Edelman, Gordon if he's back ahead of him. And I would even put Philip Dorsett ahead of him right now. 
You mean I have Dorsett as the number five receiver behind uh, behind uh, Demarius Thomas, and then the number six receiver because I expect Matt Slater. Because how I did my special teams depth chart is I put Matt. I listed Matt Slater as a specialist. Okay. Yeah. And and, and then the sixth receiver spot will go to Braxton Berrios, who I, I I expect big things out of this year. Yeah, I like Braxton Berrios. He's a small slot receiver. Um, second year out of Miami, the Pats got him with that seventh-round pick last year. Uh, but could be another diamond in the rough like Julian Edelman and Wes Welker before him. And I think who's going to make the team out of training camp for the tight ends because I think Watson and, and uh, Severian Jenkins will be the number one and number two tight end is Ryan Izzo. Yeah, I think Ryan Izzo, if there's going to be a third tight end to make it, and obviously there probably will be if Watson is going to be suspended, but I think Ryan Izzo is the guy. I think I expect Ryan Izzo to be our number three tight end. Yeah. And do you, I kind of changed my mind with, uh, with the wide receivers starting with the three wide receiver set set. It's going to be Gordon, Gordon, Harry Edelman, and then Demarius Thomas is the number four receiver. And then I would include Demarius Thomas in later, like for like four or five receiver sets. Yeah, I, w- I would do that. I mean, I think Demarius Thomas still has a role to play on this team. Obviously, not the same guy he was a few years ago, but, but certainly he won't can be still a help number you. one receiver. I don't expect that. I expect that to be Gordon, and then and then and kill Harry, the number two guy, the number two deep threat, and then Julian Edelman in the slot. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I can see that. And then Philip Dorsett will also be in the slot too. And I expect Barrios and Dorsett to handle the uh, kick return duties, and then and kill Harry to handle the punt return duties since he handled punt returning in uh, Arizona State. Yeah. Where is it? Oh yeah, yeah. That's how I see it now. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And then let's talk about now what teams that could go from worst to first in 2019. I think the 49ers could go from worst to first this year in the NFC. And on the AFC side, uh, watch, watch out for the Denver Broncos or the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Um, let me see. I I don't see too many teams that finished um, – that low in the standings in the NFC. Although I do like the pick of the 49ers. I think with a full season in Jimmy Garoppolo, they can do um, special things. So we'll certainly see about that. And then in the AFC, who knows, maybe the Jaguars now that they have a little bit of that Nick Foles magic and their defense is still phenomenal. Um, like it has been in the past. They just didn't have the offense to pair with it. Uh, but I could see them going. Well, they were first to worst, maybe back to first, but they're in a in a brutal division with the Titans and Colts and Texans. Oh, absolutely. So that being said, guys, um, with that being said, guys, um, let's talk. So I'm telling you what my wide receiver depth is. I have Matt Slater as the sixth receivers and also uh, a special teams guy. And then Braxton Berrios make the team as the primary kick returner. Yep, I like that. So how I have how I see the Patriots using the special teams, Braxton Berrios and Philip Dorsett handled the uh, kick return duties, and then Enkeel Harry handles punts. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, they could put Edelman back there too. Like I don't want I don't want to see I don't want Edelman returning punts because I I don't want him to hurt his ACL again. I want him to stay fresh in situations like whenever the Patriots have the ball offensively. Yeah, me too. And I mean, they do have the luxury to be able to uh, have as many nice pieces as they have to make Edelman not have to do that. Yeah. So, so that being said, I also, I also think I, and then my, the starting offensive line for the Patriots looks like this. It's going to be Cannon, Mason, Andrews, Tooney, and Wynn. Okay. 
I like that. And for me, I'm going to go. They're pretty much the same, actually. I'm going to go with those same five guys. And then the running back, the starting three running backs for the Patriots, I think make that four because of James Devlin as our fullback. It's going to be Michelle Williams and uh, James White. Yep, I'm going to go with the same three, and then obviously Devlin is the, the fullback there. Obviously, Brian Hoyer will be the backup to Brady, and then I think Jared Stidham will be the third quarterback on the roster, and I think uh, Danny Etling will go back on the practice squad. Yeah, I like that. I could see something similar to that. So so with that being said, um, let's talk about the Patriots right now, the best quarterback to receive, running back to receiver combo right now. It's Brady, White, Michelle, and Edelman. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then the defensive combo is McCordy, Chung, and Hightower. Yeah. Not Jason. I, it's Devin. The safety. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so with that being said, um, let's talk about some baseball stuff. So, re- so games one and two of the Dodgers Mets series. The Dodgers won Monday, and then Tuesday lost because their bullpen again gave cost the Dodgers the game. And then the Red Sox, they lost the first two games of the series to Cleveland, right? They won the first one. They lost the second one. So the Red Sox, so both of our teams lost the first, both of our teams lost the second game of the series. So so let's preview games three and four of the Dodgers-Mets series. I think the Dodgers will take three out of four of the Mets, and I think the Red Sox can take two out of three from the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. I think um, the Red Sox, obviously, tonight we'll see how they bounce back because yesterday they did lead 5-2 going into the ninth, and then the bullpen fell apart. Uh, I know they've had the best bullpen ERA in the league over the past month or so, but it hasn't felt like that. They've struggled mightily. Everyone except Barnes didn't have their best stuff last night. Um, But I do think today they got Ryan Weber making his second major league start against an Indians offense that isn't too too scary and I think the Red Sox bounce back off. Ryan Weber's today's starting pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, he's making his second big league start. He started last week against the Blue Jays. Um so it, it does set is up well open, for is it, is it are you is it a, is he an opener or no? Uh he was supposed to be, but he pitched well enough to end up pitching six or so innings uh last yeah, time out. That he was gonna be the opener because of the because of the Rays strategy. Yeah, and the Red Sox are probably trying to see how far he can go just because um just because of the um they don't want to tax their bullpen too much going into New York next. Yeah, you want to save those guys those important pieces in the Yankees series, but I still think the Red Sox are still a playoff team despite their 25 and 23 record. I think so too. I mean, it's definitely going to be a big weekend here um in New York see what they can do there but uh yeah i, I think, think the it, red sox will host the wild card game against tampa bay i could see that too I, I don't think they're gonna win the division i know i said that at the beginning of the year and i still agree with it just not so much for their talent uh or their the holes on their team but because it's just so tough to win a division back to back and this would have been their fourth year in a row so i mean it's it's tough to do it twice let alone maybe four times yeah, absolutely. I mean, so so that being said, um, for game three of the Red Sox Indian series. But before we talk about that some more, um, let's. I have a question for you about Dustin Pedroia. Is it already the end of the line for Dustin Pedroia? 
despite his recent setback on his knee. I I mean, I love the kid. Dustin Pedroia has always been one of my favorite players on this Boston Red Sox team, but I feel like now with those knee injuries nagging him, it's time for him to retire. Like, come on, Pedroia, hang up those cleats already. You had a great career. You were you're gonna be a you're gonna be immortalized in Boston Red Sox history. And I know that John Henry and Tom Lerner will make sure that his number fifteen will be retired. Yeah, absolutely. I think he um, should absolutely uh, be a Red Sox Hall of Famer, not MLB Hall of Famer. He'd probably need a few more years for that, but I think he will have his number retired for the Red Sox. And just hearing, I listened to his press conference yesterday, and he definitely seems like there. there's no way. He doesn't want to come back unless he's 100% because he knows he's not able to help his team as much as he would like to. And it it's so sad to see because the he was, reminds me a lot of David Wright last year, a guy who is the heart and soul of his team, has been through so much injury-wise, and his body just wouldn't let him continue playing. And that's what it feels like with Pedroia. And he seemed like he had a lot of weight on his shoulders to come back and play. And now he seems a little more at, at peace with that. Yeah, and he also still won a World Series with the Red Sox last year, despite not even playing against the Dodgers in the World Series. Yeah, and he was a big contributor to this team winning in 2007 and in 2013. So he's got two World Series playing, was on the roster for the third one. And, I mean, he he did a lot in a little bit of time. You look from 2007 to 2014, he won four gold glovers, a silver slugger, was an all-star three or four times, won the MVP his second year in the league, won Rookie of the Year the year he was in the league uh, in 2007 when they also won the World Series. So certainly a phenomenal career for him. And it, it's sad that it had to end like has to end like this because I, I think it probably will. I don't think he's going to be able to come back, but uh, he's always been one of my favorite players. And I, I think he will be with the Red Sox for a long time after this. Yeah, because he was always been my favorite Red Sox when I first started watching baseball, when I saw Boston Red Sox games. And Dustin Pedroia is definitely one of my favorite second basemen in baseball and a favorite player on the Red Sox that I like. But right now, because now with Pedroia retiring, now my new favorite player on the Boston Red Sox has to be one of the killer bees, and that's Mookie Betts. Yeah, I, I like Mookie. I like all the young guys. I mean, I, I love all the Red Sox. I'm a big Benintendi fan myself. I know uh, he's only hitting 256 this year. Uh, struggled a little bit out of the leadoff spot. but is Mookie, think... Betts, is Mookie Betts this year following up from his MVP season from last season? I think he's having a very good season. Um, he started out really cold uh, the last month or so. I think he's been that MVP caliber player, um, but he did struggle out of the gate. Here's what I think. I think the Red Sox are going to extend Mookie Betts next, despite yeah. giving Bogarts that big contract. That's true, yeah. That's what I mean, you know. I think the Red Sox want to keep their killer bees intact, but if one of them goes like Jackie Bradley goes, then I think Mookie Betts will go to center field. Yeah, and I think if one uh... – I, I I agree with that. I think if one of them does go, it will most likely be Jackie. But I think Benintendi, Benintendi 
Bogarts and Betts will will be will be a big part of the Red Sox team going forward. Oh, I agree completely. But yeah. if ba- Bradley goes, then it's going to be Benintendi, Benintendi, Bogarts, and Betts. But you think the Red Sox are going to extend Betts at some point? I do think they are. Absolutely. I love I, Mookie Betts is one of my favorite players on the Red Sox. I also like uh, Devers, great hitter. But can he play defense at third base? That's the question. Yeah, I think he's been very good at third base this year. I know there's a lot of talk about his defense. He makes a lot of the difficult plays. It's almost like there's times where he has too much time to think about it and and struggles there. But uh, I, I think he has had a, a decent season. And obviously, he's tearing the cover off the ball right now, having probably having easily the best hitting stretch of his career right now. And then talk about Michael Chavis. I like this kid already. He is uh, he is going to be in the top three in the American League for Rookie of the Year. Without him, your Red Sox, the bat, the hitting for the Red Sox will be nowhere without Michael Chavis. No, absolutely not. Chavis came up at a time when he was able to help turn this team around offensively. Um, obviously, you knew his. He's already taken. He's already stolen Dustin Pedroia's role. Basically, and I mean. He's done great at second base. Uh, his defense has been much better than I expected. I uh, weren't expecting to see too much defensively from him, but made a couple of great plays, made a phenomenal one last night, um, diving to his right um, to save a run. So I think, I mean, he's obviously part of this team's future, and I I think uh, Red Sox fans should be excited. I knew People knew he was going to come up and be good offensively, but uh, I don't think people expected him to be this good right away, especially power-wise. Absolutely. But with that being said, when we when we do another special show together, I can't wait for when you and I set a date for when you and I do a series preview between the Dodgers and the Red Sox after the All-Star break. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that series in July when the Dodgers visit Fenway Park to play the Boston Red Sox. Oh, for me a World too. Series rematch. Me too, that 100%. Yeah. Was that? Absolutely. Me too. I'm looking forward to that one. And then I think we'll have to we'll have to set a date when you and I could do that. Yeah, totally. So with that being said, um, let's talk about now. So we talked about games three and four of the Dodgers Mets series. So game three of the Dodgers Mets series, Walker Bueller going up against Noah Syndergaard, then and then tomorrow Hingen Ryu going up against uh Jason Vargas. I expect the Dodgers to take three out of four from the New York Mets. Yeah, uh, I think absolutely tomorrow's game, Ryu versus uh, Jason Vargas, that should easily favor the Dodgers. Tonight's game will be interesting. Two great pitchers. They struggled a little bit at times, but I think Bueller has been a little better this year, so I would give the edge to the Dodgers. The Mets are a team that I really like, too, but um, I, the Dodgers are just so far and away better. Yesterday, the, the Mets just got lucky to win that game because the bullpen of the Dodgers just sucked. Yeah, and Conforto did really well. He had like five RBIs in that game. And Steve Matz pitched a good ball game, but I felt like yesterday we just couldn't get to him. We we were I wanted the Dodgers to get to Steve Matz early, but he just he just was on his game. Yeah, Steven Matz has been very good for this team this year, especially while guys like Syndergaard and DeGrom have struggled a bit. So I think I think the Dodgers win tonight, and I think the Dodgers will take three out of four from the Mets. Yeah, I think so. I think they take three out of four from the Mets, and I think the the Red Sox win tonight. 
and take two out of three from Cleveland. Then I think, and then this this weekend, I'm looking forward to seeing Bryce Harper play against the Dodgers this weekend. Let's yeah, play the Dodgers. In Absolutely, LA. a good series there, and obviously for the Red Sox, they're going to New York this week, so Ooh, that is that's going to be another good series. Really good. I know Absolutely. you've been to a Yankees-Red Sox game at Yankee Stadium, but tonight let's talk about the Red Sox-Indians game. So you, who's your starting pitcher today for the Red Sox? Starting pitcher is Weber today. And who's the Indians? Who are they going with today? Um, Let me check. I don't know as much. Uh, I'll be watching I, the first Kluber. few Kluber's hurt week. right now. Kluber's hurt as well as Clevenger. Um, it no, is I Shane Bieber. The Cleveland Indians can – can climb their way back to first place in the American League Central, or you think it's or it's or or the Twins are just too good? I think the Twins have been phenomenal this year. I don't think it's anything on the Indians. I think it's just a bad convergence of things for them. Whether it's the Twins being much much better than anyone expected, and if you're Cleveland, you're running out of time for Jose Ramirez to turn around. Lindor missed a few weeks to begin the season with an injury. Has looked pretty good since, but still not his. MVP caliber self, and then obviously losing two of your top starters in Kluber and Clevenger. Kluber likely until August, and Clevenger um, maybe until July. So, certainly, so you think time is running out for the Indians to win the American League Central this year? I, I absolutely think so. Yeah, by the looks of it, I think Minnesota has just been too hot. Yeah, I, I think they have. I think. Compare the Indians and Dodgers. I think the Dodgers have the better roster than the Cleveland Indians have. Oh, easily. Uh, easily. So Shane Bieber on the mound today for the Cleveland Indians. Yep. It's not Francona's fault for why they're 27 and 27. I still think they're a solid ball club. But if Lendor and Ramirez are right, then I think they take off. But it's just I just think this year – the Twins are just too good. I think the Twins are set up for success for a long time. I think they are. They have a great young core led by Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano. Both of those guys had awful years last year, but now that they've been able to turn it around um, and the offense has been going, you got Jose Barrios as a starter, who one of the great young starters in this game. So there's a lot to be excited about if you're, if you're Minnesota. And Rocco Baldelli has done a good job. So, it's not Francona's fault. I know that when you when you when it's Indians Red Sox, it's always good to see your see Ty Francona manage against your old club. Oh yeah, I, I love Francona. And then obviously I like Alex Carr, the the manager now for the Red. Yeah. Oh yeah. Better than John. Carl. Yeah, totally. With with Cora, he's he, Alex Cora is. Alex Cora is still a great manager. I'll tell you that. Even though I saw him briefly during his time with the Dodgers as a player, I think he's a, he's he's kind of like what Dave Roberts is, you know? Yeah, I think they're very similar guys. Um, and I think they've, they've both been very good influences for their team. They have been, that's for sure. I do think the Dodgers – I think the Dodgers are like the Golden State Warriors and the Patriots in baseball. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I would I would go that far, but they've definitely been a model of consistency. And for the longest time, it felt like they couldn't get over the hump and, and get to the World Series. They've gotten there. Now maybe it feels like they're they're struggling to get past that, but uh, they, they've certainly been probably the best team in baseball this season. The Dodgers are going to be the best team in baseball for a long time. I could feel it. Yeah. 
What were you saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that being said, um, so that being said, how many Dodgers and Red Sox players do you think will represent the the American and National League? I say the Dodgers are around five or six. And for the Red Sox, obviously the locks are, I think, Chris Sale. And I think uh, Chris Sale and, the, and, and Mookie Betts and Ben Intende will be in there. And for the Dodgers, the locks to be all-stars is Hanjin Ryu. And I think Cody Ballinger will be in there. Yeah, right now, just looking at it, I'm probably going to go um, four and four. For each team, I could see more um, coming, and actually, I'll go. I'll go five and five um, for the Red Sox. I think your your one starter is Mookie Betts. Uh, you get Barnes in there, David Price, Devers, and Bogarts, and then for the Dodgers, uh, Bellinger, Ryu, uh, maybe Jock Peterson. Uh, oh, I want to see. I want Verdugo in there. Yeah, Verdugo and Baez, maybe. Yeah, maybe Verdugo, maybe Baez, and and Jansen for sure. He'll be in there. Yeah, and and I would not be shocked if Hinjin Ryu be, is the uh, National League All Star Game starter. Yeah, the way he's playing right now, I would not be surprised either. And I think for for the American League side, I wonder who's going to start for the American League side. I think that should be Carlos Carrasco since it's in Cleveland. Yeah, I, I could see them doing that um, just because I feel like they, they have been prone to do that in recent years, give the home guy the start. Um, looking around, though, I mean... Alex Cora and Dave Roberts are going to be the managers for the All-Star game. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see Verlander maybe starting, too. Uh, if you're not going to go with um, Carrasco. Uh, I've been voting for, for my favorite Dodger players to be in it, so... I voted for Russell Martin. I voted for Muncie, Hernandez, Seeger, Turner, Peterson, Verdugo, and Bellinger. Okay. Yeah, I like that. That's who I've been voting for in the All-Star game. But Barnes, I give him some votes, but I'm kind of voting more on Russell Martin, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I got you. So, with that being said, uh, so final thoughts for each for, for, for the NBA. Looking forward to the NBA Finals for for football. Um I think the Patriots. I I I look forward to seeing Enkel Harry break out this year, and for baseball, looking for I'm, I, I expect the Dodgers to win the series with the New York Mets. Yeah, and for me, for basketball, I think the Warriors are going to win, but the Raptors will give them more of a run for their money than a lot of people are maybe expecting. Um, for the Patriots, uh, expect to see a lot of these good young guys break out, and don't be surprised if a guy like Nick Brissett comes up and and becomes that fourth running back maybe because he had a very good year for LSU last year uh and then in the MLB uh hopefully Ryan Weber can give the Sox another good start and he went six things last time hopefully he can do something similar to that and spell the bullpen for the big weekend series against the Yankees absolutely so that being said I'll talk to you soon and uh, I'll set a day with you when we'll recap the NBA finals and we'll preview the Dodgers Red Sox series sounds good